Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Tuesday, June the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we crawl into the slow season with a surprising amount of items on today's ledger. First, we get you caught up on the World Cup of Dolphins tournament via my Twitter feed. Plus, the Madden 2019 ratings are out. What can we take away from those? As well as the 2016 Arizona game, Ryan Tannehill's most recent game. What can we take from that and apply it to 2018? All of that and much, much more. But first, I kindly invite you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. I'm going to go ahead and read off some of those reviews from the last couple of weeks on Apple Podcasts on this episode. You can give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the best blog in the Dolphins fan community. We post every single day with tons of in-depth stuff, news, scouting reports, everything you guys want up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast off. That's another Miami Dolphins so we have one bit of news to get to on the podcast today, and that is, of course, Mike Gusecki signing his rookie deal. Every rookie is now inked and ready to go for training camps. The Dolphins have that to cross off the list. No more worrying about getting guys healthy, contracts up, and everything in camp. Everyone good to go, provided nobody gets in trouble for the next five or six weeks. Knock on wood for that. In the picture Mike Gusecki showed of himself signing the contract, he was obviously on vacation somewhere, or maybe not vacation, but where he's staying in South Florida was on this gorgeous-looking terrace balcony thing on a very, very nice beachfront property. So he is definitely soaking up the South Florida sunshine. Wherever the hell he is, he is definitely making the most of being an NFL football player. So that's the only real news we have for today, guys. It's going to be a slow couple of weeks as we gear up for training camp here on Lockdown Dolphins. I'm going to have some projects coming your way in the next few weeks, including Know the Enemy series. I've been talking about it for a long time now, but I'm going to go ahead and start that project here probably after this podcast, start working on the Tennessee Titans and talking about the moves they made to get better, how they can attack this Dolphins team, what kind of scheme they run, new offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur, all that stuff will go into that. So I'm working on that. But to pass the time, since the World Cup is in full force right now, about five days into the World Cup, I went ahead and launched a little fun game on Twitter called the World Cup of Dolphins, where I'm trying to find out who the new fan favorite is of the Miami Dolphins as we shift into a little bit of a new era of players and, and Dolphins in general with Adam Gaze making the roster his own. So we, we started off with 32 teams in the group stage going by position, and we sunk we shrunk it down to 16 guys, and that was up this morning on Locked on Dolphins. I should say yesterday morning when you guys hear this podcast on Monday morning. The round of 16 was not, not very competitive. The first game was Cameron Wake versus Kiko Alonso, 98% to 2 in favor of the future Hall of Fame pass rusher. Tannehill took home his contest 96-4 over Marquise Gray. Rashad Jones 94-6 over Mike Kosicki. Kenny Stills and Robert Quinn a little bit closer, but 80-20 in favor of the wide receiver. Josh Sitton and Devontae Parker with a second closest matchup in the round. 67% go to Josh Sitton, 37% to the loser and Devontae Parker. Minka Fitzpatrick, a big fan 
favorite already. 86% over William Hayes' 14%. Kenyon Drake with 93% of the votes over Laramie Tunzel's 7%. And Rayquad McMillan and Jakeem Grant with the closest one. McMillan draws in 45%. Jakeem Grant takes 55 to advance into the Elite Eight. So that gives us Cameron Wake versus Jakeem Grant in the Elite Eight matchup. Ryan Tannehill versus Josh Sitton. Kenyon Drake versus Kenny Stills. Rashad Jones versus Minka Fitzpatrick. So the two safeties going head-to-head in this round. So get on my Twitter account, at NFL. You guys can cast those votes. That should be up by the time you listen to this podcast, if not running full force by the time you listen to this podcast. So we have that going on on the Twitter account. We've got plenty of stuff on LockedOnDolphins.com still to come. And we're going to talk about some more stuff on the .com including the Madden ratings for 2019. Next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. One of the things we have going for us at LockedOnDolphins.com is a team of writers that get you guys up to date on all the stuff that goes on within the media perspective, the news outlets, the analysis, everything you guys want to know, we go ahead and do it for you on LockedOnDolphins.com. One of our writers, Kadeem Simmons, you guys can follow him on Twitter as well. He wrote up a piece about the 2019 Madden ratings coming out. This was This was and is a very June type of story in the NFL. I saw it on Twitter a lot today as I was scouring the website and just checking things out as things are just slowing to an absolute crawl this time of year. But they put out these ratings and the Dolphins got a 74 overall rating on in terms of the overall team. And it's better than only one, two, three, four, five teams are worse than the Dolphins. Or I should say three teams as they tie with the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills, and the Indianapolis Colts. Very difficult for me to fathom how they come up with that. But that's what it is. The highest rated Dolphin was Cameron Wake at 88. Rashad Jones also at 88. Josh Sitton, 86. William Hayes gets a very high at 85. Danny Amendola with an 83. Same with Kenny Stills. Robert Quinn, 81. Kenyon Drake and Devontae Parker both at 80s. So the Dolphins don't have a single 90-rated player on their roster. Minka Fitzpatrick is at 78, and I I guess because he falls out of the top 10 in the draft, his rating slides for that reason alone. Ryan Tannehill is at at 78 as well. He had an 83 last year despite playing the best ball of his career. He goes down, I suppose, because of an injury. So those are the ratings for the Dolphins. You can check out more stuff on there from Kadeem Simmons on LockedOnDolphins.com, but I don't really know what else we expect at this point. Dolphins are pretty much a laughing stock among the league as far as perception goes. And I just, I don't, some people say, well, if, if, if there's so many opinions thinking that way, aren't you a little bit concerned about that? Because they tend to go in that direction when that's the general conception or the general perception of the way your team is. And I just don't put too much into it because there's so many analysis that say so many different things about so many different teams and there's so much stuff that goes into it and the fine line of winning and losing is is such a thin margin in this league that I just think that mental mental toughness, camaraderie, chemistry within each other, and the ability to kind of find ways to exploit matchups in a certain game has a lot more to do when this than with winning games than this overall talent discrepancy that people seem to really point at this time of year. We all toss aside coaching. We all toss aside outside factors. Like, for instance, the Dolphins wouldn't, would not have beaten the Tennessee Titans last year if Mark if Marcus Mariota has started that game over Matt Castle. So it just so many things can happen throughout the course of the year that changes the way a team will play week to week. And that's why these off-season ratings just don't really do a whole lot for me. My positive reviews come mostly from the fact that they have a very deep roster, obviously getting the quarterback back. And I even tweeted out something the other day talking about the last 200 pass attempts from Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and I threw Jimmy Garoppolo in there because he was relevant with playing about 200 snaps 
with the with the San Francisco 49ers in 2017, and then Watson and Rodgers both played six games before injury, and I used Ryan Tannehill's previous seven games that had 200 pass attempts in it, and in those compartments of play, Ryan Tannehill had a, two, a nearly 100 passer rating, better than Rodgers, better than Garoppolo, slightly worse than Deshaun Watson, who was the only one over 100 in the passer rating department. So Ryan Tannehill on par with these big-time name guys coming back from injuries or guys with high expectations like Garoppolo coming off of a five-game stretch where he played pretty well. But Ryan Tannehill's numbers were right there and locked up with those guys, and he's a forgotten man. That's just what it is. That's what it's going to be the rest of the offseason. We have to accept it and move on. But how they're going to attack these teams and beat these teams has a lot to do with, I think, Adam Gaze's vision to be an adaptable team each week. And that's something I want to look into in the Know the Enemy series, looking at these teams. And I'm just going to go down the schedule and do it. So the Titans will be up first, then the Jets, then the Raiders, Patriots, and so on and so forth. And a couple of things I'm going to be looking at for the Tennessee Titans, and these are some news items that I've just, I've been looking at the roster a little bit, looking at the news from them throughout the course of the offseason. I think the big one is the new coordinator, Matt LaFleur, coming over from the Los Angeles Rams, where he was the offensive coordinator there. And you have to wonder if that move is almost like a Joe Philbin type of move, where he comes from Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers back in the day, and he has all the accolades of that offense under his belt. But what did he really do? Now, I'm not going to down talk Matt LaFleur to that level because I believe he does have more of an influence and more of an impact. But will he be able to mesh with Marcus Mariota early on in order for them to get to a level where they feel comfortable with the entire play sheet? Because we all know that Mariota thrives with the legs and the ability to extend plays. When he had that strained hamstring last year, he wasn't the same through more interceptions than he did touchdowns. So can they find a way to create a rhythm and a balance early on on that offense? And this is a team that is predicated on strong protection from its offensive line. Now, they regressed a little bit last year, but from what they were in 2016, a a very dominant group up front. And a big part of that are offensive tackles Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin. And the Dolphins, if they're lucky, would not see either of those guys on opening day. There's a very good chance they're not going to see one of them. Jack Conklin tore his ACL in the wildcard playoff game at Kansas City. There's no way he's coming back to play week one in Miami. If he does, I'd imagine he'd be a liability. And that's the side that Cam Wake lines up on. So I'd feel very good about that matchup in that game. And the left tackle, Taylor Lewan, has a contract holdout situation that I'm told is pretty serious and could be a pretty big deal going into camp, maybe even into the preseason maybe even to the regular season. So we'll see about that. They have a remade defense. I'm going to give you guys a lot more on that team as we move forward into the slow portion of the offseason, going over every single opponent on the Dolphins schedule. So we'll do that. But we have more to get to on this episode of Locked On Dolphins podcast, including your Apple reviews. You can follow me at NFL on Twitter, and you can follow the show at Locked On Fins. All right, before we get to the last point on the podcast today, talking about Ryan Tannehill in that Arizona Cardinals game from 2016 and what it means for the offense in 2018, I wanted to go ahead and stop by the reviews page on the Locked On Dolphins Apple podcast page and just read some of the reviews you guys gave me on this podcast. Now, we have 126 total ratings. We are rated at a 4.5 out of 5, but those 1-star, 2-star, and looks like there's a 3-star rating in there goes back to when I was not the host of the show, and people were complaining about the fact we didn't have enough shows up, and that's where those 1-star ratings come from. So as far as I'm concerned, I only have 5-star ratings, so I very, very 
am very much appreciative of the fact that you guys did that for me. Let's go ahead and read some of these recent ones. This one comes from Reggie Max. Reggie, we come we communicate on Twitter quite a bit, so thank you for doing the review on the podcast here. Best sports cast in my biased opinion. I appreciate the honesty there. Great insight, breaks down film, backs argument and facts, not feelings. He deserves all the appreciation he gets and then some. Go Dolphins. Could not agree more with that last part. And thank you so much for the kind words, Reggie. That's very much appreciated. Next one comes from Dolphin Ray. Hey, Travis, I feel your pain. It is absolutely maddening to hear or read these bozos talk about them they know nothing about and then critique them, assuming you're talking about the Miami Dolphins, of course. I'm having about, I'm all about having an opinion, but don't be lazy about it. Not knowing what Kenyon Drake did last year is astonishing and inexcusable. Street and Smith used to be very respected publication for years. It seems as if this is just another example of lazy journalism. If this wasn't sports, it would be easy to call this fake news. By the way, I wanted to give you a sincere thank you for all you do in preparing your podcast with all the info and nuggets you provide to all your listeners, as I am sure it is quite involved and time-consuming. There is nothing like this down in the 305. Big props to you. Go Fins. Again, agree with that last part from Dolphin Ray. And thank you for taking the time to write that whole thing out. If you guys didn't hear the podcast last week talking about a Street and Smith season preview publication, a uh, season preview magazine, talking about how Frank Gore was a starting running back over Kenyon Drake for this team and how the Dolphins were relying on Kenyon Dr- or on Frank Gore and Cameron Wake. Wake maybe a little bit more, but still at the same time, he's only a 50% snap taker. So I'd say they're more relying on guys like Ryan Tannehill, Kenny Stills, Rashad Jones, and the like. So it's just crazy to, to think that someone can... Ha- you know, actually publish something that I can find at every single, I mean, we go to like Shopko out here and we go to Target, we go to Walmart, wherever, what kind of store we go to that might have like a little magazine section. Street and Smith is in all of these places and they, that's the kind of stuff they publish. So it's hard to believe, but it is what it is. But thank you again, Dolphin Ray. Appreciate that lengthy review for us there. Next one comes from Bill Morrissey. I feel your passion, Travis. I love it. Can't go wrong here. Fantastic podcast. Let's let's go Dolphins. It's been a lifetime love affair with this team and I'm ready for some playoffs. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm ready for a playoff win. I want to see them win a game in the playoffs so, so bad and get prepared for the next opponent. And Wild card weekend and divisional weekend are so much fun, and I just can't imagine what it would be like to win the wild card game and have that whole week of anticipation. So I completely agree there. Thank you for the review. Next one comes from Frankie Fins, the go-to for Fins fans. He says Travis gives you a great mix of content that bleeds fan opinion with strategic insight. This is a perfect podcast for fans that are tired of the lazily researched and thrown together content that's spewed by national media outlets. And I'm glad you said that, Frankie, because that's kind of what I'm going for here. I want to provide a voice as a fan because I'm definitely a fan of this team, but I also want to try to find myself in a bit of an unbiased situation. And I think for the most part I am. The things I tend to put on Twitter are are more excitable and more optimistic just because I don't find the point and being overly pessimistic, especially this time of year when there's no games to back up the proof either way. So be optimistic and look forward to the games rather than just being miserable about it because sports are an escape for me and I don't want to be miserable about something that's entertainment and fun for me. Next one comes from Wecknerd. <laughs> Great Fins podcast. Any Dolphins fan would benefit from listening to this podcast. Travis provides in-depth commentary and great information without sounding like he's the smartest guy in the room. I recently listened to I recently started listening and wish I had found this podcast sooner. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that. And all those reviews, guys, it's simple. Just go on to Apple Podcasts, go to the search tab, type in Locked On Dolphins. You can find the podcast there and write a review. And it's greatly, greatly appreciated. That's how we are judged. That's how the boss man judges me down. So we really appreciate you guys doing that for us. And real quick before we get out of here, I posted up the final charting project for Ryan Tannehill from the 2016 season. Every single game charted up there. You can find that on LockedOnDolphins.com. 
And one of the notes I wanted to talk about most was his control at the line of scrimmage because two of the things that Ryan Tannehill has struggled with most in his career is his ability to manipulate the coverage and, and stuff pre-snap that the defense is showing him and his ability to process their movement post-snap. And that's why a lot of his interceptions, the ones that he throws that are bad picks, that are definitely on the quarterback, that's Ryan Tannehill's fault. He fucked that up and it's his, his problem are when guys rotate in a way that he wasn't expecting or anticipating and he winds up throwing it right to them. Pretty obvious when that happens. Other cases, he gets tip balls. There's 50-50 passes that don't get brought down on jump ball situations. And if you guys recall, I tweeted out the video of the Jeff Darlington interview with him and Ryan Tannehill from Friday. If you want to see that again, it's on my Twitter account, at NFL. They talked about, after that segment on ESPN, Linda Cohn was the host of SportsCenter that night, and she talked about how Tannehill had the second highest touchdown percentage on throws 20 yards or more down the field in 2016, but his 11% INT percentage was second to la- or was most among quarterbacks that qualified. So, I don't, that's, that's a really weird stat to focus on his downfield passing touchdown and INT percentage because that's such a small sample size. But when you look at that, it tells me that a lot of those 50-50 balls he threw to Devontae Parker, I'm thinking about in the Rams game, for instance, or going up top in that Patriots game, the comeback in the first game, if those balls get picked off, it's more of a punt or more of a, a last chance or a heave. And that falls on the receiver just as much as the quarterback too. So his picks are from bad processing. And you go back to circle back to all of this, you go back to that Cardinals game. And the first two plays Ryan Tannehill throws like a 14 yard completion to Jarvis Landry and a 28 yard touchdown pass to Kenny Stills. And he gets to the line of scrimmage. He finds favorable numbers in terms of the running game. He checks to a play action to attack the weak side of the defense, which bites the linebackers up. He moves in the pocket, slides to his right, finds Finds Jarvis Landry, who is just coming clear on an over route. It's just beautiful quarterbacking, and he did it with his mind before the snap. And then the very next play, he does the same thing post-snap where he reads leverage on the defense, puts a route in a certain area to cover up a safety and allow Kenny Stills to get on top of the cornerback, and it's a dime for a touchdown pass. So I think you see him in complete control of the offense. He talked about it. What was the worst part for him with the injury was how he didn't feel, or he felt like the game was really slowing down for him at a level that he had not yet seen before. And you can make fun of the guy for saying that in year number five, but hell, this is a tough game to learn, a tough game to master. And maybe he feels like he was mastering it at that point. And you go back to Adam Gaze's comments in 27 that Jeff Darlington talked about on this very podcast saying he had Ryan Tannehill right where he wants him. He's going to have a monster year. And I just, I connect all those dots. My film study backs it up for me. I can see it for myself. I just, I'm very, very confident in a big year for Ryan Tannehill provided he is healthy. And that Arizona Cardinals game is a great example of why I feel that way. All right, guys, real quick before I get out of here on the podcast, I wanted to mention a couple of big things we have coming down the pipeline from the network itself, as well as us at Locked On Dolphins. We might be having a big-time giveaway regarding a preseason game coming up here shortly. I'll let you guys know more about that both on Twitter and the podcast. We might be able to cover training camp live from Davey, just a matter of getting my credentials approved from the Dolphins themselves. I cannot wait to see what happens with that. If I get those credentials, I'm going to Miami and going to Davey. I'm going to cover this team at training camp and cannot wait if that does happen. As for this podcast, that will do it for us here for the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, the Tuesday, June the 19th version. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review once you guys are there. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, the best follow on Dolphins Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins and follow our flagship show at Lockdown NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. LockdownDolphins.com, and you guys have a terrific rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday, as it is Tuesday now, of course, for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.